Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Happy February. Hey, happy February. 2022. It's happening. I know. It's Do we only put out one episode in January? Um, I think we might have. I should check our uh, transistor. There was sort of the little snafu on my end where I forgot to publish one. There was like a week and a half left, a uh, week and a half late. So, I don't know. Let's see. Oh no, we published Oh yeah, we published one on the 4th. So we did publish two in January still. Okay. Yeah, cuz then we skipped a week too. Mhm. Yeah, especially yeah, with the uh, new uh bi-weekly schedule. Yeah, it's different. It takes it's taken some getting used to, but uh I think it's been good too. Yeah. Open up some some new time. How things been going? What's uh what's been new? What's been on your mind? How was how was January wrapping up? Yeah, so well I was secretly hoping that you would just never publish the last episode. <laughs> uh, <What is> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just like after we recorded, I I mean, I was very much at a low point then, um, just with my energy, with how I was feeling about the business. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I feel like I just like poured a lot of it out on the pod and it probably wasn't, uh, the most enjoyable episode to listen to. Um, but but here we are still, still recording, uh, still alive. So yeah. I think that's what the people want. They want the, the raw, <laughs> honest content, you know, can't always be rosers and butterflies and MRR graphs that go up into the right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately not, I guess. Yeah. Um, I feel that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. January is, uh, wrapped up. I'll say, <laughs> uh, I, I think for me, for whatever reason, it's, it was almost like 2022 started a month late for me. Mm. Um, like really just last week did, uh, so I've been working a lot with Noah. We've, we've been on a bunch of calls, just kind of hashing out what the roadmap for JetBoost looks like, at least for the first half of this year. Uh, and, and yeah, so it's, it's almost like, it feels like I lost a month, uh, in that it took Mm. so long to get to that, but, uh, yeah, we've, we've been working on that. And so, now that we've got the direction set, uh, which I can talk about a little bit, uh, it, it feels a little bit easier now. Like, okay, this is just, this is what we're doing. It might work. It might not, but like, we can't just sit here and keep analyzing for forever. Like we just right. got to do something and, and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Well, I know, yeah. I know January was like a, a pretty slow month or at least it was off to a slow start. The last time that we talked about it, did it end pretty slow too, or did it sort of ramp up again or what's that looking like yeah it it um i mean mrr wise yeah mrr wise it it was like you said very slow in the beginning uh basically flat and we ended up with some growth but about a half or a third of our normal rate Mm. um which you know it, it remains to be seen if that's sort of the new growth rate 
based mm. on uh, I mean, I guess we'll have to figure out what sort of factors are, are playing into that. Like churn was definitely up. Um, so, sort of like, uh, I don't know, it's been interesting. I've, I've heard from a few other people in the no-code space that January was quite slow. Hmm. Um, so not sure if that is more of an industry-wide trend, but I mean, everything I'm seeing on Twitter, it seems like Webflow freelancers are are busy as ever and uh, you know, Webflow is still experiencing good growth. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. There's always some, I'm always trying to be wary of like December, January, are there any like seasonality kind of factors, um, or anything else happening like in the industry? I don't know. Maybe no code is like not as hot as it once sort of like in the shadow of crypto and web three or something like that. <laughs> it, That's it probably not is. entirely true though. Um, yeah. It could also just be a fluke, an anomaly. You never know. Every month is different. Yeah. I mean, so for comparison, last year, January was our best month ever at the time. Um, and, and this was the slowest month since uh, March of, or no, since February of 2020. Um, you know, so... Having said all that, it, it sort of forced me to reevaluate things a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just the fact that we still have growth is great. Uh, and people are still getting value out of the product, which is great. And because it's SaaS, like, we're, we're still doing the revenue we were doing in December and, you mm-hmm. know, November. And it, even though it feels like it's starting from zero, it's not actually starting from zero. Uh, yeah. each month yeah. so yeah we we've we've still got a lot of room to uh like i said do some experiments and and figure out uh where else we can go with the, the business from here yeah what, what are you thinking about sort of like the direction roadmap sort of just like planning uh i know that was sort of like the theme of the last episode and something you've sort of been alluding to is just feeling like, where do we, where do we go from here? And what do we, what do we do? Like, what are the things that you want to start doing? Um, it's always hard because you never want to like over plan and set mm-hmm. things in stone that really don't need to be. But how are you, how are you thinking about the next few months at least? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the next few months, uh, it's, it's tricky because of course, uh, having a baby end of March. Uh, so trying to plan for, you know, what can get done before that, mm-hmm. how long am I going to take off and basically do nothing? And then, uh, what can get done for, like I said, probably the the rest of the first half of the year. And there's a lot of big things that I want to do. And <laughs> the optimist in me is like, all right, we're going to get all this done before, uh, <laughs> before the end of March. And, uh, every week that has crept by, I've had to sort of reassess the, mm-hmm. the scope of things. Uh, but yeah, what we're looking at is there's a few things. So I, I really dove into questioning all my assumptions about the business, hmm. uh, about how people are using the product. And there's a number of core parts of JetBoost that I realized are basically wrong. Um, so when I, when I first built it, I, I designed it with the idea in mind that someone would want to connect their Webflow account to JetBoost and then uh, 
basically use it on all their Webflow projects. It's like, why not? <laughs> right. Here, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but it turns out it doesn't work that way. Uh, four out of five customers, so 80%, only use JetBoost with a single Webflow project. Hmm. And so we've been designing it for the person that, that wants to connect a bunch of Webflow projects to it. Um, and, and so that's had some ramifications with uh, the the onboarding experience and I think the activation rate as well. Uh, so we are now looking at some different ways to really focus on just the single project user. Hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, working with Noah has been great because he is he's really starting to redesign a lot of the flows in, and, you know, like doing this in Figma and, uh, oh, wow. I mean, prior to that, I basically just sort of designed everything on the fly and like, I'm not a great designer. So, I mean, it's like, it's workable, but, um, I think the, the direction we're going in is, is going to be a lot more professional. And when you're selling to designers, that's, uh, I think that's great. So, yeah, stream, streamlining the app a bit, and, and part of it has to do with, again, like looking at how people are using it, also just looking at the support tickets we get um, and the common points where people are tripped up. Um, so that's that's sort of like one of the big initiatives. And then uh, the second one is we're starting to work on a new booster product. Mm. Uh, so this is a new product for the Webflow CMS. And... What's been fun about it, number one, is just talking to a number of dis- different current JetBoost customers uh, that want to use this, uh, which I won't go into too much detail yet, it's sort of a, a top secret project, <laughs> um, but they want to use this with their client work. And uh. the crazy thing about it, this has happened a couple times, uh, like when I was previously working on the favoriting booster. Mm. Um, because you wanted to, I think it was you wanted to use this on one of your sites. So I started working on that and then like people would come out of nowhere and say like, oh, they were looking for the same feature. And that's starting to happen again now where, you know, I'm not, I haven't talked about this at all publicly. And just like Saturday, somebody reached out to me and was like, Hey, does JetBoost have any plans to do this thing? And I was like, we are working on that exact thing right now. Um, really? Yeah, so it, it feels good. Like it feels like I'm feeling the demand there, um, and I think it's going to be a really awesome thing for people using Webflow. And it's it's something that takes a lot of work right now to do with either custom code or, uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much the only way to do it right now. So that sounds pretty stuff yeah, for that. That sounds really promising. Is yeah. that something that's going to take like a few months, or is that one of the things you want to? try to crank out before the baby comes or something that'll be like later down the road? Yeah, I think it's going to have to be in stages. Uh, I'm hoping we can get a beta version out uh, in March, in the beginning of March. And it, it, it honestly, it'll be in my eyes, like pretty basic at first. Uh, but it'll, st- even the basic version will be, I mean, it's just gonna be so much easier than what exists now, which is like mm. doing it, on your own yeah uh but yeah there there are it it might get actually broken up into a couple boosters just because like the functionality is so uh, complex um i 
I, I want to talk about it more, but it's like, it's not the right time yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but there, there's like a few different pieces involved and, uh, yeah, I think the, like I said, it's good. It's going to come out in stages. And if we can at least get the beta version out, uh, sort of mm-hmm. the stage one, then that'll be a uh, mission accomplished for March. Yeah. That's really exciting. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good too, that it can be broken up into chunks and that there is something shippable in the near future. Cause that makes it a lot more motivating to work on, right? Where it's like, okay, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel for at least V1 that I know is that you can get the door and then you can always build on top of that. Yeah. And I used to be a lot better about this. Like as the product's gotten more mature and you know, the user base has grown like, like sort, uh, when we did the dynamic sorting last year, I really struggled to ship something because I was trying to cover all the use cases and all the corner cases. And, oh, right. uh, and I was afraid to put something out there that wasn't quite, I don't want to say finished, but like just it didn't support all the use cases that I knew people would need it for. Um, and that's just, that's not, that's not the way to do it. Uh, and, and Noah's been really good about pushing me on that with, with just different features. Like, Hey, can we just like, you know, do the sort of, I, th- I want to say it's in shape up where, where it's, they talk about like anything you get out there is like better than what you have now. Oh, uh, right. And, yeah. and that's how I'm trying to think about it. Yeah. It, it's better than baseline, I think is what they call it. So, mm. um, yeah, yeah. Definitely trying to break up things a little bit more with, with everything that we're doing really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, that'd be really yeah. exciting. That's the first booster since August, September, September, I think. Right. So, uh, yeah, September. Yep. Yeah. That was dynamic sorting. Um, and yeah, then the last big one is a pricing model change. Mm. I was uh, going to ask about pricing because I was wondering if maybe you were thinking about, I, I think obviously it'd be in the bundle, but also mm-hmm. with this whole like 80, 20 thing, does that change the way that you think about it at all? And, or would you want to cons- sell it kind of as, as another one off? Anyways, I'm, I'm still in your thunder, but go ahead. No, I mean, you've nailed it. Like definitely the 80, 20 of how people are using it and the number of projects they're using with it, uh, has made us kind of reevaluate how we should be pricing and how we should be thinking about pricing. Um, and also just, I mean, it's hard to go back two and a half years and I mean, I, I sort of know why I priced it at the time the, the way I did, but, uh, it's, it's priced very differently from how Webflow prices. Mm. And I think if we better align with how they do pricing, uh, it'll just be more intuitive for people. Mm. And I think it will better. So for some people, at least the way we're thinking about it right now, it's actually going to get cheaper uh, for for a decent chunk of people. It's going to get cheaper. Hmm. Um, and then for like what is essentially our power users who are paying the same amount as everyone else, uh, you know, and I, I don't know how we're going to handle like legacy pricing and all of that yet, but uh, it makes sense for people that are really getting the most use and value out of it to pay a little bit more. Um hmm. 
because there's some massive companies using it that they're paying the same as, you know, someone who's just trying to get a project off the ground. And, and so we want to help the, like the people who are, uh, what's the right word? Like the, the smaller players, we want to help them pay less and the bigger players should pay more. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. I, not to derail at all, but, um, I think in October you had started experiment, experimenting with some higher prices uh, does that also factor into this and like, how did that kind of play out? Yeah. So in October we raised the price of our individual plans, which are, which was our cheapest plans. Um, and that's, that's if you want to just pay for an individual feature that we offer basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. The results of that experiment were basically they're, they're, really wasn't a change to anything. Mm. Um, although you could say with <laughs> January MRR being in half, uh, of, of normal growth and maybe it yeah. was, but I, I don't think that's related. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that we are, we are kind of taking that into consideration. Um, and I think the direction I've been wanting to push in for a while, which, which was part of that experiment was just getting rid of the individual plans. Um, because it's really, it really complicates things. It gives somebody the option to have multiple subscriptions. So they're getting multiple invoices from us. Uh, it, oh. it gives somebody the option to use say one of our products with, uh, you know, some of the like alternative JavaScript libraries that aren't compatible. So then they're trying to like mix and mash the two and it mm -hmm. never works. Uh, so the direction we're going to move in is you're either in the JetBoost ecosystem or you're not um, because it's just, it's causing too many headaches for us uh, to deal with on the support side. So, uh, you know, and we think it's like a pretty fair price that we're going to offer for that. Uh, and you know, a lot of those headaches are going to go away then if you either get all the JetBoost features or you don't use JetBoost and, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, lots of, uh, lots of new stuff, lots of updates, <laughs> lots of changes. It's exciting. Yeah. I guess you can, uh, you can tell it's been like three weeks since we recorded. So actually yeah, some, right. some updates <laughs> and, and lots of stuff going, kind of going on in the background, right? Background jobs. And yeah. It's been marinating for a while and now you're finally, uh, well, not finally, but now you're sort of acting on them, right? Deciding on them. And, yeah. Um, especially at, they're at the stage that you can talk about. Yeah. It, it, it feels like finally. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only February, so you can give yourself a break. It's, uh, it's not, yeah. it's not finally. Yeah. Uh, the, the last update I'll give just real quick is, so I feel like I, I have to mention something on the marketing side, even though that's been a very <laughs> slow burn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we did roll out the affiliate program, the pilot version of it, which is just a small group of people. Uh, and granted I say small group, but a lot of them are some of the, uh, high, like most trafficked websites in the web flow space. Mm -hmm. It's been interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's a conversion rate of uh, I'm trying to remember the terms conversion rate of visitors coming from their affiliate links 
to leads, which is essentially signups for JetBoost, is around 3%. Oh, okay. Which, I don't know, feels low to me, but you seem pleasantly surprised. <laughs> that seems about, about normal to me okay. personally. Um, I mean, and we're still do- dealing with very small numbers, but yeah, no one has actually converted into a paying customer yet. I mean, it's yeah. been four weeks, but yeah. That's not entirely surprising. We didn't see a conversion. Yeah. Uh, well, for SavvyCal, still like the affiliate program doesn't really represent a large MRR number anyways, but mm-hmm. I didn't see the first conversion for a long time, probably like two or three months. And then it sort of has like that compounding effect a little bit where it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. Oh, there's like a little bit. And then it's like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting. And there's a surprising amount of traffic coming from this one source. And then all of a sudden the conversions start coming in. Part of it too is, I don't know what you said it to. I think that Rewardful offers a 60-day default cookie window to track the conversions. Um, And so by default, you have kind of like that 60-day window to work with of like, well, this visitor came, but like we have to give it 60 days to see if they're going to make anything of it. And if they decide to come back and you never know really the effect until there's that 60 day delay. Um, but yeah, and the 3% number that, that seems pretty normal to me. Um, kind of the nature of affiliates, right. Is that it's kind of, it's basically cold traffic, but you're bringing in some trust and authority to the site from the affiliate and depending on the pull of that affiliate, which normally isn't like crazy strong, then, you know, you can't expect like a 10% conversion rate. And you especially can't expect that to really scale, you know, beyond just even like a few hundred visitors. Um, mm. But even like uh, on SavvyCal, I think, I think across most sources of traffic, but I know especially for from search and from affiliates and from Google ads, they're pretty consistently around that like two to 5% range. Usually averages around three or 4%. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious what you think. So I actually cranked that window, the 60 day window up to 180 days. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Huh? I think that'll help with tracking for sure. Um, it's only net positive for the affiliates themselves because then they have right. longer to convert that traffic. Um, you, what can happen, which isn't really a big deal, especially I think for, for your stage, especially is that, uh, affiliates can drive traffic and then users don't convert in that 60 day window, but then they do day 61 through infinity, right? Whenever after that. And so mm-hmm. then you basically get the benefit of the conversion without having to pay the commission. Right. And so if it was like a, a if you're a really big business and or affiliates were like a ginormous part of revenue, then you probably want to like eventually bring that window further and further down. And you can get pretty like uh, exploitative with that strategy mm-hmm. if you really wanted to. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I don't think it's, I think that's totally fine. And, um, there's nothing really like wrong or at risk by doing that. Yeah. And I might've misunderstood how that window works, but I thought when I was reading their documentation, it was not only 
uh, say 60 days from visiting the site to signing up, but then also converting into a paid customer. Like, I, I think if it, if I understood it correctly, although it sounds like maybe you're saying the opposite, um, as long as my understanding was if they didn't become a paying customer within 60 days, then they wouldn't count as Correct. a referral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. My thinking was we have seen some pretty long conversion times for JetBoost because there is no, you know, there's no time limited trial. It's, it's just a mm -hmm. freemium product. Um, so yeah, I felt like eh, 180 days gives them more of a chance to get the credit for it. And I guess, yeah, we can always adjust it. You definitely kind of have to stretch that window out further. We need to have like a freemium kind of pricing model because like I said, someone could sign up, but then they might not actually start paying until months later. And you still want to be able to reward the affiliates for sending you someone. Cause that's more of like a, you know, it's not really their fault that they didn't convert into a paying user after X many months, right. it's more just a, a function of the way that your product pricing model works. So I think that's totally fair. I mean, it's very, very fair for the affiliates, especially. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause ultimately like I want affiliates to succeed. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, I think it's encouraging to like the more success you can show with the affiliates and the more that success that they see, the more invested they're going to feel and the more they're going to want to do. And so it only makes sense to want to show more conversions like as quickly as possible, right? Or like as much as possible at the end of the day, because then people feel like what they're doing is actually, you know, they're being rewarded for it adequately. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But yeah, we'll see. Everyone else I've talked to that's run an affiliate program has not had success with it. So <laughs> slow burn, man. Low. slow burn. <laughs> yeah. We're working on kind of, um, we're taking out, an, uh, take another look at the affiliate program for Savvy Cal, trying to recruit some more affiliates and create some more reasons and promo materials and excuses to do some collabs with affiliates. Um, but it really is kind of one of those, those slow burn channels. I think that, it's hard too because the the time where there's the most potential for an affiliate to be successful is the day that you start charging for your product. And then anytime after that, the pool gets smaller and smaller for an affiliate because you're sort of taking mm -hmm. the customers that they maybe could have potentially, you know, and their audience sent over to you. Um, so even like if you look at some of the case studies on Rewardful, one of the most successful ones, was, which I think I've sent you before, I think it was Cometly, I want to say. They had this crazy case study of like, you know, using affiliates to launch to $40,000 in MRR after their first week or something crazy like that. And it's because they had a ginormous affiliate who launched with them on day one. <laughs> and then obviously <laughs> they get to, uh, you know, that affiliate one gets to read the rewards of being day one with that SaaS and bringing their first customers. Um, but also the SaaS, of course, gets to benefit from that audience and be able to tap into it from day one. So uh, now, like the longer, anyways, yeah, they have to work harder for new customers, and which is fine. That's just the reality, and it's going to be a slow burn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, cool, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, a couple updates on my end. Um, I don't know how much I shared about it, but uh, the Marketing Like a Media Company launch was a success, I would say. I've had quite a few new members sign up, and particularly they said that they signed up for the new course, and been seeing a lot of good engagement on like views and watch time for the course material. Overall, people seem to be really enjoying it and excited about it, and it's sort of bringing new marketing opportunities as well with like podcast interviews and um, articles and things mentioning it as well. And sort of like getting tagged on things on Twitter about it. Cause now people know that it's a thing that I talk about and care about and um, yeah. you know, I'm interested in. Uh, so now the big thing I need to do for it is just create a lot more tweet threads to be honest. Like that's just going to be like the main marketing channel for it. It's also just the thing that I need to do overall to like net increase the audience for swipe files. Uh, and so that's kind of like the, the next big thing on my list is just to start extracting a lot of stuff from the course, create them into, uh, threads, publish the threads, publish like one or two a week for the next couple of months, and then kind of let that grow the audience and also bring attention back to the course to keep people, new people signing up for it. Um, but I also kind of can't do that until I finish a lot of the newsletter stuff I've been working on, uh, one for sponsors, but two, so that when people do sign up for the newsletter that I have this sort of like system that will work them to sign up for the membership and or the course later on. Um, so mm. I'm sort of like a, you know, I just need to nail the fundamentals, just need to like check that box, get that out there. Just been kind of cranking away and trying to dedicate time every week to, producing a lot more newsletters and I'm partnering with a whole bunch of people right now as well to do like a newsletter takeover for swipe files so that I can kind of crowdsource some content as well from other really smart marketers and founders, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I should probably have like 30 new additions pretty soon just from like other people. And that also helps them with their audience. And I'm happy to collaborate and give them that, that exposure and opportunity. And then I can sort of cash on, on that later on with some other exchange that will also help market the course and the membership. Um, besides that, another sort of new opportunity that got thrown my way. Uh, Sorry, can I ask you a question quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, two things. Number one, when you said a few other people, I was like, oh, like, you know, three or four, and then you're like 30, <laughs> which, which is <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> mm. uh, it, it, I don't know if just you and I discussed this or if you talked about it on the podcast, but at one point you were looking at possibly doing more on LinkedIn yeah uh -huh. with like your Twitter threads and stuff like that kind of repurposing the content are you still thinking about that or have you tried that yes still thinking about it um the main thing is so I've been uh, I'm working with a, a an intern from a local university Point Loma Nazarene and uh, I've been getting him set up on helping me with the swipe files job board and recruiting companies and marketers to join the talent collective and just bring attention to the job board in general, since it's, there's that freeman pricing model, which makes it really easy to loop people into the system and just get them on board when they're hiring. And then the next thing, so now that I have like, I can check that box for LinkedIn with him, cause he's basically using my LinkedIn. Uh, now we're gonna be looking, I basically just need, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of like technical stuff. LinkedIn is really, really does not like you sharing your account with someone else. <laughs> so I have to figure out, I can't just like log into my LinkedIn anymore. I need another tool to like schedule the posts. And, uh, I just haven't gotten to that yet. It's on the, on the to-do list, but 
but it's also kind of in line with like that, you know, creating threads after I create the newsletter editions. Once I create the newsletters, then I want to create the threads and then the threads I will repurpose and also post on LinkedIn. So they're kind of like both on the back burner for now until I can check the box on the newsletters. Cool. Yeah. Um, so a new opportunity that got thrown my way that sort of, I've been thinking about talking my way, talking about since December is partnering with someone on a core based course. Um, it's another person in the marketing space industry, really well known, more famous than me, which is great. I'm not famous, but <laughs> like definitely famous in, in some circles. And, um, so they were basically like, look, I think we have a lot of overlap. I want to create this thing, but I don't want to do it alone because it's a lot of work and I want to like be able to like share the load with someone and then we can work out some sort of profit sharing agreement or, you know, if it ends up being successful, we can sort of partner up and split things and everything like that. Uh, the idea is to basically do like one cohort a quarter or like three a year or something like that and have them be very like limited in scopes, so only like a week or two long. So that way it's like a very limited time that is being dedicated towards it where we can kind of create on the material once, run it, kind of perfect the little things that we need to, to make it run really smoothly and to fill the gaps and make students happy and then kind of rinse and repeat forever, essentially, you know, or until it gets older, we get tired of it or whatever it is. Um, but that's pretty exciting because I've been wanting to do a cohort based course, but I kind of also felt the same way. I was like, I don't, I mean, doing this alone is like a lot. And mm-hmm. I think also in this case, two plus two equals like 10 or one plus one equals like five because we, we both get to market to our own audiences, which will bring in a lot more people. I think that if it was just one of us, um, and so that's also just like interesting from a, a business opportunity because now it's not just like I'm working my own list all the time. It's, you know, that, that kind of marketing load can be shared on two shoulders as well. Uh, so we'll see. I think that we want to maybe run the first one in like late March or something like that. Um, it's going to be, we're kind of fleshing out like the outline for what it would be. The challenge actually isn't like creating it all. It's more like refining the scope down to something as small as we want it to be (laughs) just ruthlessly Mm -hmm. cutting stuff and figuring out like what's the smallest version of this thing that we can ship. And then if this pilot is successful, then we'll sort of figure out where to go from there. But for right now, it's kind of just like an experiment. We'll see what the response is, how we work together, um, revenue wise, how it, how it did and kind of go from there. But pretty excited about, I think it'll it'll be fun. I've been a part of some really good core based courses in the past and, I've uh, been itching to do one myself, so I think that'll be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so hopefully I'll be able to, I mean, I will definitely be sharing more about it soon because we'll have to start sharing, promoting it, but uh, I won't share it quite yet just because we don't have like a landing page set up and we like just nailed a name and um, we want to make a big deal about it when we do sort of like announce it together. Uh, but I think it'll be fun and hopefully something again, another like, small bet to the portfolio that will add a small amount of revenue to the top line, but only require a couple of weeks of work a year, essentially. 
um, but be really, really impactful for students. And it's not competitive with swipe files at all, which is, which is great. Hmm. Um, in a similar vein, the other thing that I do want to talk about more publicly now uh, is that I want to write a book on early stage SaaS marketing and um, a really practical kind of authoritative book on, on well, actually, it's, it's kind of descriptive and intentionally so, but I think I'm like 99% sure I'm going to title it Founding Marketing. So basically marketing mm, yes. for founders and uh, founding team members and first marketing hires at SaaS companies. Um, basically buttoning up everything in swipe files that I've learned and that I teach and also looping a lot of case studies of things that I've done and the stories of other founders. I want it to be like a April Dunford kind of book, like obviously awesome where it's very practical step-by-step but also concise, like a, a two hour read 30 ish thousand words or something like that. I forget like the reading time average on people, but something very digestible, referenceable, actionable has exercises, a lot of case studies and just very, very, um, very practical. I think also because I've, I've mentioned it before on Twitter, but I love the book traction by Gabriel Weinberg and Justin Maris. I think it's fantastic. I think it's broadly applicable to most startups in general, but it's, I have problems with it for SaaS marketing and especially for like early stage SaaS marketing. Um, so this is, it'll be like a little bit kind of the, the antithesis of traction <laughs> a little bit because, uh, anyways, my, my main problem is not with the book at all. It's more just like the context of the book for SaaS marketing, because I think you probably experienced this to some degree as well, but a lot of people fall into the trap early on of just like trying to rapidly experiment their way to finding channels that work. And turns out like a lot of things take time and investment. And also you can kind of just fast track your way to a couple of things that you know will work really well instead of having to like go through the whole playbook and go through all 19 traction channels and do the bullseye framework and only spend a couple of weeks on each one and then call it a failure. And it's like, no, 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 like this, you know, this isn't really like the way, uh, let me show you a very practical way and something that doesn't feel like throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's a lot more promising. So anyways, that will be a lot, a lot like not, I'm not expecting to have anything to show for, for a long time, probably like a year ish, but something that I want to like start talking about, uh, there is a landing page, to start collecting email addresses, super, super simple. I do have the domain name, of course, <laughs> because that's what you have to do. <laughs> right. And, uh, but I'm excited about it. I'm going to start putting stuff together, getting together like a table of contacts, contents. I'll be following a, the, uh, the right useful books playbook by Rob Fitz to a T hopefully, uh, following all of his directions and, uh, same guy who wrote the mom test and he has a very like unique way of, writing a, uh, a practical recommendable book as he likes to say it. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Long time in the making. Just wanted to get out there. You know, I also just think you know, a lot of people like consuming content different ways. Some people like newsletters, mm-hmm. some people like video, some people like audio, some people like books, a lot of people like books. And so it feels like I, it's one of the things I eventually have to do just a matter of when. And, uh, I think now's the time. 
Yeah. I know that I like buying Kindle books, uh, not necessarily consuming all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I have a big <laughs> backlog of, uh, you know, diff- books about different topics that uh, one day I'll, I'll read and learn all the skills, but not yet. Same, same. Yeah. So founding marketing coming soon, probably 2023, but uh, you'll hear about it and people can get involved. I want to have like a lot of build in public kind of help me write this as I write it type of opportunities people to get involved in. So stay tuned there and uh, lots more later. And and like founding marketing specific to SaaS companies, right? Yeah. Early stage SaaS, basically like... Zero to 50,000 MRR-ish, something like that. But especially like zero mm-hmm. to something, <laughs> early stage marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, that could help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think uh, I was also just thinking, I, I think I discounted kind of that opportunity of niching down to early stage marketing. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, actually, that's where there are the most people in SaaS companies. And that's where it's like the most useful too is early stage going zero to one. It's the hardest part, in my opinion, in my experience. Um, and so it's not really like niching down. It's more just choosing a, a very big portion of like the market if you wanted to think about it. And um, so I hope that it's it's successful and fun and helpful of course too but that it's another thing i can kind of tack on to the swipe files umbrella yeah nice yeah that's pretty much it on my end um i had a great month in january revenue wise uh i am noticing like there are people that are churning out because swipe files is no longer a great fit for them because they're not in SaaS. uh and or they changed roles and now it's not as useful to them anymore. And I think with a pricing update as well, I'm noticing that the, the member numbers overall are going a little bit down, but I sort of expected that. So it's not really surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more just like, you know, as long as, as long as the number of people churning isn't, uh, I guess like revenue churn is really the thing I'm, I'm actually concerned about. And since the new price is five times more than the original price, then I sort of have a good amount of leeway, which puts me in a pretty good position. But um, it is weird still seeing that. So I was like, oh, I had a great month in January. Also, my member numbers are down. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's not surprising. It probably should be that way. So anyways. Yeah. Have you noticed a change in engagement levels in the community with the higher price point? Not really. Um, it's been a little bit quiet. I also haven't that. So the intern is also working on some like community engagement stuff. To be honest, I haven't really put a lot into that. I've been really, really focused on like this kind of content creation mode and, um, still lacking some functionality around scheduling posts (laughs) in circle, unfortunately, which like, isn't like a super valid excuse, but it kind of is because then everything's manual and I'm just horrible at that. Like it needs to be automated or like built into a workflow somehow. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll take the blame and the fault there. I also just feel like the direction of swipe files is less as like a really active community and more as like a content hub. So I'm like finding my peace in that a little bit and just 
okay, this is how things should be. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. I am. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I always want more engagement. I always want more people in there, more people helping each other. Um, I want it to be more lively than it is now. But no, to answer your question, I haven't really seen like a big difference since the pricing changed. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious if because people have invested more into it, you know, financially, would that also correspond to maybe higher engagement? Yeah. I've seen a lot of those people go through the course content. I haven't seen okay. too much of it parlayed into the community. I think a lot of it too is that one of the things I realized, which I'm working with an intern on is I need to expect people less to just like post stuff by themselves. And I need to give more people excuses to engage with stuff that I'm posting like prompts and questions and things that will get discussion going rather than just expecting like someone to post a question or to go out of their way to think about some big problem or thing that they're going through and like to write up a big summary about it. Cause that's a lot more work. And also like people don't naturally think that's to, to do that. Whereas if I give them a prompt and excuse, then, then that will. So that's kind of my strategy going forward too. It's just, do a lot more asking for engagement, not like expecting it to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you, I don't know, if you look at the numbers and it turns out most people just want the courses or other parts of swipe files, then maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said from yeah. the beginning, like my goal is not to build the noisiest community out there. Like I'd rather it be just noisy enough, right? Like we all have mm-hmm. a bazillion communities we're a part of, we all have other things we're doing like it, sh- it should be as noisy as it needs to be and just enough. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually just a friend and I were talking the other day about uh, a certain community that has gotten larger and larger over the years. And it's just like when that happens, it inevitably goes downhill and uh, I don't know, just, yeah, the quality lowers over time. And so if, if you can't keep it small and, and, interactive still then that's also like <laughs> it's probably better actually mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i know it's such a weird community is is a really hard it's i can't even imagine yeah it's an art i mean it's so strange it's like you can have good problems and bad problems bad problems are it's crickets good problems are it's too noisy there's everything in between there's all sorts of stuff about culture and norms and who's around and what are they talking about and how do you moderate? Yeah. It's, there's a lot of factors in there and you can't just like make it happen. It just, it happens. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's very strange. It's voodoo magic. Seriously. Well, uh, unless there's anything else, I mean, good update, uh, rolling into February here. Lots more to talk about here in the future. Lots of fun stuff. Um, if anyone has a question for us or a topic they want us to cover, something that we're that we're missing or that we're not asking each other, feel free to send us a message over zip message. There's a link in the show notes. You can send us a, a piece of text, a little message. You can record your voice, even record your video if you want to chat with us. We'll include the audio or, or even the, the text in our next episode. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.